Three Amazon sellers. Three Amazon sellers. Entertaining conversation with some of the brightest minds in online business. This is the one-stop shop to start or scale your business further than you could ever imagine. Ever imagine. Welcome to the Buy Box Bandits Podcast. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Buy Box Bandits podcast. Super thankful for our listeners and watchers uh, on YouTube and other platforms the past couple of episodes. We really appreciate your support. Today, we have a fantastic guest. Matthew Turner is the founder of Barely Art, the number one craft glue for artisans and creators. Make sure oh, I get wow. that right. Yes, sir. <laughs> on, uh, on Amazon. So we have another private label expert. We're super excited to hear about kind of what he's gone through through the years uh, dipping his toes in all, pretty much all the different Amazon business models. Um, so we're very excited to have some of his time here to share some game on what he's got going on on Amazon and elsewhere. So Matthew, thanks for joining us tonight. For sure. Well, thanks for having me on, Miles. Um, uh, I think this is only the second podcast I've done, so appreciate you guys having me on. You know, My goal here is to just bring some value to you guys. I've had a long journey on Amazon. It's been, man, it's been almost 10 years now i started in i started in college in 2011 so i guess it has been 10 years the first year wasn't a whole lot going on but uh yeah so i mean honestly i'm just here to bring you guys some value whatever you want to talk about i started off with 600 bucks flipping cell phones and uh, i just got really addicted to flipping stuff i loved it i'm super adhd so like for adhd people you're just always looking for that next thing so like for me, it was no big deal hitting up a hundred people on Craigslist. Like I'll give you 200 bucks for your phone. I'll give you 200 bucks for your phone. I'll give you 200 bucks for, and just drive around, pick up 10 phones. It was like, I loved it. So that's, that's how I got started. And awesome. now I have, um, I have a brand called Barely Art, like you mentioned. I do want to add the caveat. I am a co-founder. I have an incredible partner that I actually met in college. We're both mechanical engineers. Um, and then we also have like a wholesale business as well that's like wholesale private label hybrid where we, we do about two million a year in that business it's still a little bit bigger than our brand but next year the brand the brand is going to blow past it um but yeah so honestly i could talk about anything in between i've pretty much done everything except raoa here so you had mentioned you had done arbitrage but not specifically rao it's interesting to hear about you selling cell phones on Amazon. So you want to take us back uh, to really the beginning, how you found Amazon and maybe those first couple years, just getting every, everything in. Cause I assume, you know, 10, eight, nine years ago, it was way harder to learn. Cause you know, YouTube and these different platforms weren't as big. So how did you learn? I'm sure it was a lot of trial and error, but what was all those first few years like? Yeah, there, there was nothing in the beginning. And, um, you know, honestly, like I, I had, I met uh, a friend in college and he was flipping phones. And when I, when I first met him, I asked him like what he did for money and he was kind of weird about it. And he didn't really give me an answer, which made me really curious. So I kept bugging him about it. And he was like, oh, I, I flip phones. And I was like, well, you, and this was 2011. So it was like iPhone four. And those broke wow. like crazy too. Those were the ones you like Dude. looked at them and they broke. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Back. I I, I yeah. personally have repaired probably a thousand iPhone fours wow. because I, I taught myself how to fix them um, because of that reason. And anyway, so he told me he flipped phones. I was like, that's genius. Everybody wants a phone. phone like Apple was just exploding. 
there was more demand than supply. And I, he, I, he just kind of became an unofficial official mentor. He's actually four years younger than me. I think I was 22, 23, and he was 18 or 19. And so I would just bug him and just learn little tactics. And I, But the biggest thing was I just started doing it because it's, it's the exact, exact thing, same thing you mentioned earlier where people come to you all the time and they're like, oh, I learned how to sell on Amazon. And I'm like, yeah, teach me okay. how to sell on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay, make an account, spend one hour doing research, go buy something and list it. And then we can talk because until you do that, like it's just noise. And so he had experienced that with so many people. Um, and, and when I was actually started doing it, I was like, hey, man, I, I, I bought three phones for like 600 bucks. I'm going to sell them on eBay now. He was probably like, oh, wow, I'll actually, you know, talk to this guy and take him seriously. Um, and so I just kind of started. I, I did nothing but phones for probably two years. I just I had no concept. I was I was still very much. OK, so one of the one of the key points is that like business is like at least. Tony Robbins says this all the time. Business is at least 70% psychological. And at this time, I was still stuck in the mindset of like, I've got to get a college degree and get a good job. This was very much a side thing for me at the time. So I wasn't looking for people doing it. I was afraid of telling people about it because they would judge me or steal my idea. I just had all these weird limiting beliefs that are just not true, but I, I didn't know any better at the time. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just kept flipping phones and by the time I saved up, maybe like five, 10,000, uh, I started making some connections with like some local stores. So then I started buying things in bulk from them. I had a local guy that taught me how to fix phones. Um, he had a shop. I would go at first it started off. Like I would go see him and be like, Hey man, I have 10 phones. Can you give me a deal on fixing them? And he was like, yeah. So he gave me a deal. And then like, he got too slow and I didn't want to wait for him to do it. It's like, hey, if I give you hundred bucks, will you teach me how to do it? So it was just, it was this whole journey. Um, like I said, this is me ranting, but you can feel free to stop me. <laughs> no, it's all right. Where, uh, what, so, what platform were you selling the phones on after they were being fixed? So in, in the beginning, it was eBay. And then probably 2012, I started flipping stuff in 2011. 2012, I think is when I started on Amazon. Um, and back then, you so like I did so I did stuff that was completely against terms of service and I had no idea like yeah I was like I was buying UPCs on eBay and making listings like that you're not supposed to do that yeah. but like I could make a listing for a phone and list it as used and it would sell immediately like and this was on Amazon yeah so there back was, in, there, continue I was just gonna say there was no like like the limiting factor was cash flow and um, the amount of time it takes to pay them. So like I could spend, you know, in the very beginning, I could spend all my money in like two days and I could sell it all the next day and then have to wait two weeks to get it back. So what I was going to say was, um, I mean, back in 2012, I don't think many people knew selling on Amazon was even possible. So did you find out about that through your, your mentor or was that something you just stumbled upon? Um. I think I had an issue with eBay where they had suspended my account for a period of time and I was looking for somewhere else to sell stuff. And that's how it happened. And then I realized Amazon was better. You could, you could list stuff for higher prices. Um, Even back yeah, in 2012, Amazon was better, still better. Well, I mean, that's just something we don't hear very often, right? Most of the people in our community and the people that we interact with, 
when we ask them how long they've been selling, uh, two years, three years, yeah. eight months, you know, 12 months. But like to hear that sort of longevity is super impressive. Um, and and yeah. that kind of leads me into my question in terms of like, how different is the platform now than it was then? Oh man. Yeah. There's, there's been like, there's been like seismic shifts at different stages, right? So like what I started off doing, flipping used and so in the very beginning, it was like our, like local arbitrage for two years. I didn't buy from any businesses for two years. This was just literally off the street in Dallas, Fort Worth. Um, and all cell phones, right? All cell phones for the first two years, nothing else. You cannot do that anymore. Yeah. Amazon has gated that entire category. Um it's very difficult to get ungated for those name brands. Like Samsung is not friendly to resellers at all. I actually got like my first business is basically dead. Um, that's a whole, like I have a whole crazy suspension story from 2018. My first company, the electronics company, I grew it to like about a million and a half a year. I think I did a million and a half in 2017 and like a million 1.8 in 2018. But I got suspended because I had, I sold a Samsung product on the wrong listing and I ended up like getting in big trouble with Amazon and I had some other things going on too. And they shut the whole account down um, and I got hard blocked from Samsung. They like gated the entire brand. And that was like 30% of what I sold. Um, so some of the things that I did, I just, I would not recommend anyone do now. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, like, like it started off like, the streets arbitrage and then it turned to wholesale arbitrage and when i say wholesale arbitrage like i would i would buy from any business once i filed for my llc in probably 2015 i had like an actual company i would buy from any commercial business that had an address in the usa like a physical presence and they would give me an invoice and like put the exact item on it because in my mind i was like okay they're a business with a physical presence and they're putting this on invoice for me if Amazon accepts the invoice, it must be good. That's not true either. Um, there's lots of gray market wholesale suppliers that Amazon doesn't like. And oh, yeah. I had no I had no concept of these things. It was just, oh no, I'm suspended. What happened? And try to figure it out. Like that that was how I learned. <laughs> so can you can you kind of take us to the or take us through the transition of selling cell phones to obviously coming up with the, the glue brand that you have today. What was that transition like? What was that process like? How'd you find it and how'd you build it? Yeah, yeah. So 2016 was really the year that I started like, cause I think that was the year I graduated college. That was the year I started thinking more like, wow, I could, cause my senior year of college, I was making more money flipping stuff than I was going to as an engineer. And so I was like, why am I getting like, like it was like, again, the psychological thing, like I didn't understand business. No one in my family is business. So um, I started realizing like I could really turn this into a real business. Um, so that's when I started networking and connecting with other business owners and going to trade shows, meeting other business people. Um, when I got to over a million a year sales, I joined a group called MDS which is actually the largest group of Amazon sellers. There's like over, I think there's almost 500 of us now and everybody, you have to sell at least a million a year to get in the group. So we're like 
five billion in sales a year on Amazon in our group. So I started meeting some of these guys and some of them are older guys, um, like in their 30s, like late 30s, early 40s, that like this is not their first go around in business. Um, they just were much sharper. They knew a lot more about business, branding, marketing. So just going to events, having dinner with some of these guys, listening to the conversations about branding and marketing and like the, the direction of the market, I really just kind of realized like, and based on my own experiences of what was happening 2017 and 2018, there was a lot of friction on Amazon with like seller performance issues. They were, they were, Amazon was battling a lot of bad actors in that, in that uh, time period. And so some of the, yeah, so some of the people that um, like me and others that we, we weren't bad actors, but we were maybe selling on some of the same listings, like you kind of got caught up in the mess to some extent. Um, And so uh, I just was reflecting on this information I was hearing from these other guys, my own experiences, all the problems I was having in the wholesale electronics world. And I kind of just came to the conclusion that like the only things I want to do, like what I want to start building now, I don't, I don't want to scale this electronics business. I'm not interested in that. I want to, I want to build my own brand and work directly with brands. And like, that's it. So like my own manufacturing, build my own brand and work directly with other brands or authorized distributors. And I don't want to do anything else. So in 2017, I co-founded a company with a part of my, my partner now from college. Um, that's our wholesale business now where we, we work like 90% of the companies we work with are the brand themselves. And then we have a couple like authorized distributors that we do buy from because the brand is like so big or foreign that they won't sell to us directly. Um, So that like from that point, um, that's when I just decided this is what I want to build. And I started phasing out the electronics business. So to answer your question, like succinctly, like I said, I know I rant, like it was just reflecting on my experiences of what was happening and and me selling stuff um, the way that I was doing it. Like I said, wholesale arbitrage, going to trade shows and buying from any distributor that'll give me an invoice. Um, reflecting on that, meeting guys in the industry that were further along than me and just like hanging out and talking business. And people are like super open and transparent when you like are in like having dinner or you go to an event. Like people or on talk, Twitter. Talk yeah, I think totally. most, a lot of people in person, like it's, there's not really a lot of I mean, there, I guess there are some secrets, but a lot of people are almost open books and they're very willing to share. And I think a totally. lot of that comes back to also because most people, Romer, uh, Roman Romer said this, most people just don't act on what you're saying. So it doesn't even really matter. You could give them a whole guide and a whole playbook on how to do this. And they either are too lazy or they just don't want to do it. So it or, don't really th- or don't yeah. think it'll actually work. Yeah, totally. that too. And, and Amazon kind of created a unique environment because it, it was – it's an explosive new market. And so like there's a huge segment of people like us, like just young entrepreneurs that just kind of got in and figured it out by doing it. There was no one teaching us. And so this group that I joined, this bunch of people like me, where we all just started, figured it out. And so when we all met each other and got in a room, it was like amazing because we're like, wow, we all understand each other. And it's kind of like, we've been through this hell of, figuring out this behemoth machine and how to like make a living on it. <laughs> yeah. We, we talk about that a lot 
uh, the power of networking and going through problems with other people. So how impactful, I know you kind of touched on already, but like how truly impactful was it having other people going through similar experiences as you and then being able to kind of talk about it with them? Oh, it's critical. Absolutely critical. Like, I mean, you see my picture here of Jesus, like, uh, we, I don't, I don't believe that we're, we're made to be alone. Like we're created for relationships. So, um, you know, the more people you have on your team that care about you and get, and, you know, listen to you and support you, the better, like, it doesn't have to be a lot of people, but having yeah, just a couple, having like, having like an inner circle of people that like you do life with, or you do business with that, you know, you guys talk every day or every week is absolutely right. critical. And then like the wider network of like people in your industry that you can kind of just talk with is also super important. Yeah. So kind of switching some things up, you mentioned team in a sense of like other, you know, business owners that you're friends with and everything, but what does your team look like for your current company? Because I was looking at some of the listings um, on Amazon of the brand and I was seeing like 1500 reviews, 3000 reviews. And I know how many sales I get flipping stuff on some listings that have that many reviews. So it's beautiful to know how well I hope those listings are doing for you. But what is uh, like, what does your team look like? Are you, you said you obviously have a co-founder. Are you using any VAs, in-house employees, advertising agencies? Love to learn a little bit about that structure. Totally. Yeah. So um, I pretty much, so I'm the head of sales and finance. Um, the way we've divide, divided our business up. My partner is in he, uh, head of marketing and kind of operations. We have, um, so it's, it's me and him are kind of heads of those departments. And then we have nine full-time employees and we have two part-time employees. Um, so in Texas, in our warehouse here, we have uh, six full-time people besides us. Wow. So we got a marketing uh we have a, uh, a girl that has a marketing degree from UTA where we, my, my partner went and she's, she's like our, our marketing assistant, I think is her title. Um, so my partner, Jeremy is kind of in charge of all the social media marketing stuff. Like, if you look at our Instagram, it's popping, it's beautiful. Oh, I haven't <laughs> checked that out. So you're using other sales channels too. Like I saw you have the website linked in your, in oh, yeah. your Twitter bios. Okay, cool. Yeah, Amazon is probably 70, 60, maybe 70% of our nice. sales. But okay. Wow. Next year, next year wow. it's going to be less than that. Oh, I, I can imagine, yeah, owning your customer data, retargetability, all those different types of things, very important in that yeah. sense. So yeah. that's interesting. So, I didn't I didn't expect you to say so many in-house, but that that makes sense. So you do you handle all your own fulfillment, like with we, the warehouse we are the and everything? We are the manufacturer. We manufacture this. Mm -hmm. So we, we uh, source all our raw materials ourselves and we put it all together. Yeah. And so how does, how does that work? Uh, sourcing glue and manufacturing glue. Uh, yeah. What very, are the I'm kind very of, curious. what are like the first steps in setting up a, like a manufacturing plan and sourcing raw materials? Cause I, I would not know where to start with that. I mean, honestly, it's just, it's just having an idea you're convicted on that. Like, this is a good idea. And then just figuring it all out honestly yeah. that, like that's the simple answer we didn't know what we were doing um I was very determined that like we want to build a brand so we spent a lot of time thinking about what niche we would want to go into and like my partner used to live in an apartment in downtown Dallas um 
And me and my wife would go over there and we would just have meetings in the early year, in the early years. And we were just brainstorming like what, like once we were convinced we wanted to do a brand, it's like, okay, what industry do we want to go into? Why do we want to go into that industry? Um, you know, just like trying to figure out, okay, who are we as people? What are our strengths? What are our interests? Can we find a way to like pick an industry that we would want to be in for the long term? Because him and I are both very much like we're trying to build an awesome company where people want to work and where we develop teams and have an awesome environment. So it's a very long-term play. Like this is not a short-term thing for us. So everything we've done has been the hard way by in, intentionally. Right, Because I think, right. yeah, I think if you do it the hard way, then it, it lasts longer. Um, right. From I that, feel like I might be getting off from your question though. Am I getting off from it? <laughs> but, uh, no, 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 you're good. You're good. Okay. Okay. I, I was going to say from your first meeting you had, how long did it take? Because a, a lot of people on Amazon or that are trying to learn how to, Coming to Amazon or the private label space might think it's quick, like, you know, coming up uh, with an idea, they might yeah. think it's a couple of weeks yeah. or even a day. So how yeah. long did it take you from those like first meetings to when you landed yeah. on like glue and, and you were certain you were going to do glue? So we were doing the wholesale business for a year before we even started getting into the brand stuff. So um, let's see. So from when we first had the idea, like, okay, we want to go into arts and crafts. And then we were trying to think of what's the first product we want to do. Like we're, we basically were trying to reverse engineer, like what's something we think we can improve. Um, and we can build like a blue ocean. Uh, one of the books that I would highly recommend. Oh, yeah. Blue ocean strategy. So that book was really strongly in our mind at that time. Like what's, like we want to be a big fish in a small pond for our first product. Like it's, it's very niche. Right. Um, there's a lot of people that do these types of crafts that our products is good for, uh, but it's still very niche. Um, like I said, this is not something you would buy for a school for a bunch of little kids. Um, but okay. So it probably took from when we had the idea, like, Oh, this is the product we're going to do. Then we had to figure like our formula is unique to us. We spent about a year, working with the chemists to formulate it, just a bunch of back and forth, like hired a company. Um, and basically we just went back and forth. Like, this is what we wanted to be able to do. Um, here's what we think might work for that. Can you formulate it? Send us samples, we'll test it. And so we just did that back and forth for probably a year just to get the formula right. Um, and then we ordered our first amount of it and giant actually no our first orders it came in five gallon buckets our first orders we got oh. in five five gallon buckets that's, that's a lot of glue that is a lot yeah. of glue yeah. okay well but now we order yeah. in 55 gallon drums though so we got four drums on a pallet coming in <laughs> Crazy. it's like two thousand pounds of glue so we started oh. with five gallon buckets of glue and just like putting them into like a hand pump machine where you just push it and it pumps out some glue and we're we're bottling it ourselves, labeling it ourselves. you know me and my partner my wife we only had one employee at the time um we were doing everything um my partner is very good at uh graphic design as well he's an artist he's more of an artist than i am um kind of the reason we part of the reason we have the name barely art is because uh it, we want to have a marketing span where it's like 
you know, even if you can barely do art, like, yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, I'm the one that can barely do art. Like, I'm not that great, but I can still make cool stuff with our products. And for some of our future products, we're going to have some marketing opportunities for that. We have one coming out in a few months that will be good for that. Like, you can make really cool stuff and be a dummy like me. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it was a year just from the idea. It took a year to develop it. And then it took, um probably three three months uh, three to six months before it really started taking off we had a good we had a good launch um because we had done like a test group you know we went deep into facebook groups and like found Ooh. people in the niche mm. and influencers and we just sent them all a bunch of it when we had it we were like hey we made this we think you'll like it because you guys make this stuff let us know what you think and we didn't ask him to do anything, but like everybody shared it. And so it just kind of started blowing up in social media um, in our little in our little world of of uh, <laughs> hardcore paper crafters. <laughs> so so yeah. what makes your glue like physically like unique from other craft glues? Yeah. So the main things are um, it is like wrinkle and buckling resistant on the paper. So like okay. unless you're using way too much of it. So people that are doing, so one of the big things people will make this for is like paper flowers. People make these really elaborate paper flower arrangements. And if the paper's like all wrinkled and crinkled, it's gonna look like crap. Right. So it's wrinkled, it's, it's, it's resistant to that. Um, it dries clear, so you can use it on colors and anything, it's not gonna be white. Um, one of the things that we're better than, than any of our competitors, I think, is that ours is freeze thaw stable, so like, uh, my biggest competitor, they stop shipping in the winter because if this, if there's freezes, it goes bad. Mm -hmm. Ours can go through multiple freeze thaw cycles and still be stable. Um, oh, wow. That's huge. And, the, and then we have, we have like a cool precision applications, like tip kit. We call it the tip kit that it comes, comes with. Um, so if you go on Amazon and you look up barely art, you'll see like our little tip kit thing. Um, so th those are really the main things that like the people that are creating things care about. Uh, and it's, it's industrial strength too. So you only need like a teeny, teeny, tiny amount. Um, so it's, so you knew from the start and I think you, I think you said this, but you knew from the start, this was a super long-term play and you wanted to get it right the first round, uh, first time around. Yeah. Yeah. So we put a lot of time and effort into yeah. it. Yeah. That's interesting. I was just taking a look at the Instagram and it's nice. I mean, it's totally like all contemporary marketing. There's reels on there. Garrett and I love doing the reels for our oh, yeah. personal brands. Um, and is a lot, is a lot of the content on there user generated or are you guys making stuff on your own and posting it? It's, it's, um, it's both. So now we started something this year, um, called a, de a design team. So basically it's basically curated influencers. We started with five um, and we do a different iteration every quarter. So we're on design, we're on DT4 now, design team four. It's basically influencers in our niche. They apply to work with us and we give them a bunch of our products for free. We promote their content and we ask them to make us two pieces of content per month in return. So we get two pieces of content from our design team um, each month. And that was five people, I think the first quarter and then 10 and 10 and then this quarter we have 20 because we had so many applications it was hard to like pick which ones mm -hmm. and what other platforms besides instagram are you guys doing any like paid instagram and facebook ads any tiktok stuff like that 
So when we launched, uh, one of my friends had recommended an ad agency called Chapel Digital Media, Chase Chapel. And uh, he, he's a good guy. He knows the industry well. He's been in it for a while. He sells training courses and stuff too. You'll see him all over. So we had hired them and we worked with them until like a month or two ago. I just had to let them go because the results just got so bad. Yeah, with, it's tough um, with iOS 14 and fit and 15. Yeah, yeah. so we, we were partnered with an ad agency for the first year and a half or so, but my partner, Jeremy, was telling me the other day, he was like, he was going through the ad account and he was like, honestly, I think anything would have worked when we launched because like we, we were doing so good on the influencer and connecting with our audience, like any kind of ads would have worked. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'd love to hear, and I didn't expect to hear like a lot of really cool, like branding psychology stuff from you just now kind of talking about really building a community and clearly i mean, this 25,000 followers on Instagram. I assume the Facebook page um, is big as well, but what are kind of just the things you looked into? So forget the product, but in terms of like the angles you take to market it, who you're looking to sell to, I'd love to learn a little bit more about that. Sure. Yeah, no, good question. Um, so since the way that we launched this brand, it was it was really kind of centered around that product, right? That's our main product right now. We don't have we don't have a huge selection yet. Um, we really just we really focused on figuring out like what does that customer base value? Like what are they interested in? Um, and so we kind of we kind of centered our brand around like four main values, which is leadership, uh, creativity, generosity, and community. Um, so we kind of see ourselves as a brand as like a facilitator in our community. Like we want to empower and facilitate uh, community amongst, amongst our customers and everyone we interact with. So one of the, one of the things we did uh, and also generosity. So one of the things we did to like live that out was, so my wife was a social worker um, case manager for several years. And uh, we just have a big passion for like the fostering community foster foster kids. So we started an initiative we call Cards for Cubs, which is basically we asked our audience, which a lot of them are card makers, like, hey guys, we wanna collect cards, like birthday cards, Christmas cards, encouragement cards for foster kids. You guys make them and send them to us and we will distribute them to foster kids. And so we do that once a year in March and April. And the first year we did it, we got like 7,000 cards, which was crazy. That That's real. Wow. I, that's more than I expected you to say. That's, yeah. that's wow. really neat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and and I really think it was just because like no, no one in our niche is doing anything like that. And so people were just really excited to um, be generous with their time and their efforts. Like, and people want, everybody wants to contribute to something meaningful. So like we see ourselves as a brand, like we want to, we want to empower people to contribute to meaningful things. So we collected those. And then the, and then the second year we got like 36,000 cards. And so we were like, holy crap, this is a good idea. So we filed a nonprofit for it. And so now we're a nonprofit. And um, oh, wow. That's awesome. So we're, we're basically going to turn that um, using the cards and giving the foster kids is kind of like our metric, I guess, that. Because if you're a nonprofit and you want to ask for donations, you know, people want to know, like, 
how how well you're doing so we can just be yeah like, where oh, the money's going yeah yeah we'd be like well we distributed you know x thousand cards this year people be like awesome you know so that's kind of our metric but the goal is just like support the foster community so that has kind of become strongly associated with our brand now like we we footed the bill for all of that ourselves um we're going to be the biggest donators to it i'm sure for a long time you know we're we're not we're not experts at raising money for nonprofits or anything like that. So that's all a new learning thing. Um, so, but really it just comes down to like values, understanding like what, what does the person that you're trying to sell your product to, like, what do they care about? And then figuring out like, how can you serve and empower them in those things so that they can connect and identify with your brand in some way. Yeah. A lot of the branding guys on Twitter really like to use like kind of the buzzword emotional connection, but like just looking at uh, the Instagram bio, it says like empowering your creativity or something like that, that clearly, you know, speaks to someone who wants to, you know, live a certain way and being that your product helps solve that shows obvious opportunity there. But that, that was really cool as well with the nonprofit stuff and all this stuff. I want to see you make into threads on Twitter as well. I look forward to to boosting them out a little bit, but it's really cool stuff. I think a lot of people will really enjoy to learn from them. Might not end up making their way to this episode. Yeah. So I have a question kind of switching gears and, and kind of taking it back to Amazon and business, right? So obviously we all sell on Amazon um, being the biggest platform. What was that decision like to start taking your business off of Amazon? How far into selling did you kind of make that decision and, and what went into the decision? Yeah. Um, it really just comes for me it just came back to kind of that realization of like the way that um and i don't want to discourage you guys but i feel like the arbitrage game is like it's not really what amazon wants like they they allow they allow it um but because they like i do genuinely believe amazon wants to empower entrepreneurs and like small businesses i do think they're trying to do that and they they themselves like i've talked to some of the executives and like they they themselves have trouble sometimes figuring out like where exactly you know to like draw the line so but i think the arbitrage game it's a temporary game right it's it takes a lot of hustle a lot of effort you're always looking for like you're looking for holes in the market right like yeah. pr price discrepancies it's a great right. skill to have you know i think it's an amazing tool like i tell people all the time like you know people think that you know oh you sell on amazon you're like, like i'm not a millionaire i've sold millions of dollars i've sold probably yeah i think, I, I think i've sold almost 10 million dollars now on amazon but i'm not a millionaire like my my businesses are probably valued at that so well i guess so that i guess that might <laughs> but like i personally don't have that much so um like just because you sell a lot doesn't mean you actually have that much. Um, but the, so the decision for like going into off of Amazon, really we just went back to like, what's the direction the market is going? Um, where, where, do I, where do I see Amazon in the scheme of retail, right? Like they're the dominant player in, in online retail. Like Amazon dominates online retail. Um, right. And what, what does Amazon want for their customers? Because make no mistake, it's their customers, not yours. Exactly. And I think yeah. that, not to interrupt you, but that plays mm -hmm. into the idea of starting to build out like giant social media. Like 
I, you guys are probably like have the biggest social media accounts for glue companies, I would assume. Right. Or very, it's gotta be like, cause big in your, glue in your niche. Yeah. yeah like big glue. They, they're not doing socials like you big, guys are. Big glue. <laughs> yeah, Big glue. We're taking down big glue. Yeah. I mean, it's like <laughs> Elmer's, you know, like everybody, everybody knows the name Elmer's, but I don't, no one has any, no one has any kind of feeling or emotional attachment to Elmer's like, my, my wife was at a random craft shop a few weeks ago and I thought this was so cool. And like somehow the brand came up and the lady like smiled at her and asked if she could give her a hug. And I was like, that is the exact response I want people to have <laughs> with our brand. You know, they're like, they like have a warmth, you know, associated with it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really just thinking about the direction of marketing. What does Amazon want for its customers, for its platform? Arbitrage is a great way for you to learn flipping, learn business, learn numbers, you know, financial statements, profit and loss, all this stuff, save money so you can invest in other things. So I, I always tell the arbitrage guys like y'all that are like hustling and grinding, just save, save, save as much as you can. And then, and then at some point you'll, you may be interested in investing in a new way of selling. And you'll have saved up the money to be able to afford to do it. Because if I had not gone through the hustle grind days, like my, my family has no money. I got married when I was 18. I've been paying all my own bills since then. You know, I, I've been married 13 years now and we were dirt poor for five years at least. Um, so, you know, it was all hustle and grind and just like saving. So, but it got me to a place where like I was able to invest in something like this because it was a significant investment you know we made zero money from the brand for a year and a half it was just ideas and work behind the scenes there was no profit being made and even now like we we haven't even paid ourselves hardly anything from that brand because we're saving it all and we're investing it into the brand you know we've chosen to hire people instead of give ourselves more money we hired a marketing assistant. We hired a videographer. We hire more warehouse people. You know, we we give uh, we we have a warehouse manager now, like things like that. We we choose to to add another key person instead of giving ourselves more money, like on the regular basis. And this kind of sacrifices is really what it takes to maybe not as you know. I'm not perfect by any means. I don't want to act like I'm not some like symbol of ama amazing business, but. You know, there's going to be sacrifices. So, but yeah, that's like I said, I give long-winded answers, but that's, you know, I really think that what Amazon wants, Amazon wants brands. They want brands that connect with a very specific customer. They want brands, they want selection. That's, that's their thing. And there'll always be some kind of a market for arbitrage. Um, and while you're young and hustling and grinding, you can handle it, but you know, I got to a certain point where I just, I couldn't handle the amount, the amount of time I was spending working. I just couldn't do it anymore. And like, you know, I'll get a little personal with you guys. Honestly, the thing for me that like got me to wake up, I was working 80, hundred hours a year for, or, or 80, hundred hours a week for probably six years. And my dad getting cancer was the thing that it took for me to like slow down and be like, oh, wow. Like I've been sacrificing probably too much, you know, to, to do this. So, um, you know, balance is so key, you know, it's, it's great to hustle and grind and to save and to try to build your own business, your own thing. But, you know, I just would caution you, like, 
don't sacrifice too much. Uh, and I know that can yeah. start to get a yeah. little heavy. No. We can talk about that more <laughs> if y'all want, but. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, sometimes it, it just takes stuff like that to kind of wake you up. Um, what is your day-to-day -day now? What is your daily routine? What sort of work do you do on the daily basis in your business now? Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm mainly, I'm very focused on um, getting us to the next level in terms of like top line. So we kind of have hit like a, we've, it's been really rocky with the supply chain difficulties we've been having. So um, we've been like, especially in our wholesale business, we, we've launched more products this year, but like our top line revenue has basically stayed the same because some products have lost sales and then we've got new ones that have kind of replaced it. Um, so I, I, I've stepped in several times this year. Well, I guess, well, you asked me about my day to day, my day to day is, is honestly not consistent at all. That's the honest answer. <laughs> I, I'm super ADHD and I cannot stand doing the same thing every day. It drives me nuts. Um, and so I have this battle in myself between like, there's certain things you need to do every day, but I also strongly value variety and like switching things up. Like sometimes I'll get up at like five in the morning and go and sit at like a, a coffee shop and work on my laptop or just write or something like that. Some days I'll sleep in until nine o'clock. We work 10 to six, so I don't have to get to the office till 10. Um, so I, I honestly don't have a consistent daily routine. Um, most of the things I'm doing now is I handle our B2B relations. We have, we have a, few a few dozen retailers that we sell to wholesale. Um, and those are all just like people that have reached out to us that wanted to buy and we kind of vet them and prove them. We're not, we're not pushing into B2B right now. It's because supply is really wonky. Um, so I manage that. Um, I, I, I'm the one that is making all the decisions related to like Amazon stuff and making sure that Amazon is good because seller performance is not something you can mess around with. Right. <laughs> Any, any types of issues, you got to write POAs, you know, anything like that. Thankfully, I went through all my hell a few years ago, and I kind of learned how to avoid things. So we haven't, we haven't really had any issues in years, but I'm very vigilant about that stuff. So just have all, all created stuff all your own listings? Oh. Was that? I was just asking, have you all created all your own listings or did you hire out? We, so we do it, yeah. So um, every, everything related to the backend on Amazon, like the keyword research, product research, um, ad campaign setup, like I do all of that. Well, I, I, two months ago, I did hire a friend of mine who has an ad agency um, that I, I trust and he, he does our PPC optimization now. We spend probably like between both businesses somewhere around 40,000 a month on Amazon ads. Um, and so like, that's a pretty good amount of budget and I can manage it myself. Like he kind of trained me through just lots of conversations and I'm pretty good at it, but I just don't like doing it. Um, so I, I decided to pay him for that. So I just, I just monitor the KPIs. Um, and one of the, one of the next biggest things, uh, working on is like, um, a lead gen workflow for our team. Cause we, it's been too reliant on me historically to make those decisions. Um, so 
one of the biggest things I'm working on now is like a system for that to offload to our team so they can make some more of those decisions. But the, the honest answer is my day to day is pretty random. That's awesome. I think a lot of people definitely envy that. And I'm also the same way. I like to have new things kind of going on every day or every other day. It just kind of keeps it exciting. Mm-hmm. Keeps it from, uh, from getting, I think people are going to burn out now. Yeah. you know everybody's different you know and i i i don't want anyone to feel like because i'm a certain way they need to be that way like some people thrive with routine yeah like yeah like, i would be one of them <laughs> yeah yeah i i just i honestly don't like it feels restricting and uncomfortable like i'm not good i, I i'm not about it <laughs> awesome. so what, do, what, what else do you guys want to know you got good questions i like it i have one in the back of my mind uh, cause I saw on your Twitter, you had, you had Jesus in the, like kind of the first thing. No, serious question. Garrett. How, yeah, he's right there too. <laughs> so how, how much has faith and religion kind of played a part in this whole journey, like from college to now, like through like ups and downs and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, good question. Um, or just having a support system for, well, gee, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. No, honestly, I, I, I'm not afraid. I love talking about this stuff. In college, I was vice president of a group called Ratio Christi, which is like a, a grassroots, like Christian apologetics organization, specifically at colleges, something like seven, 800 chapters worldwide. So basically what we did is we would go to events at college and I would, I would set up a board, a whiteboard that just write, and I would just write, God exists on one side, God doesn't exist on the other side and just like talk to people. So I, I love talking about this stuff. Um, so for me, it's just, it's completely foundational. It's totally fundamental to who I am. Um, you know, I, I actually, I've been thinking about my dad the last few days for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, he passed away from cancer. I mentioned about three years ago. And he, he used to call me Matthew the Magnificent is what he called me. He gave all of me and my siblings all had nicknames. And uh you know, like the older that I get, the more that like, I just really value like how much my parents love me. And like, I never, ever doubted their love for me. I, I grew up in a safe environment and those things are those, those, because of the way my parents love me and took care of me because of their faith, honestly, they, they believed, they strongly believed it was their responsibility to steward their children and to love them and to care for them and to, you know, bring them up and you know integrity and righteousness and all all this stuff because of the way they love me like i'm completely comfortable like with myself and like i have like i just i just like at a very deep unconscious level i just trust that god is in control and i don't worry about like getting hit by a car or like my wife always worries about me getting hit by a car or something like that when i'm driving and like, I, I just, I don't think about those things because it's like, like if, if there's a God that is in control of the universe, you know, even if I don't understand a lot of the problems and things in the world, like I don't need to worry about those types of things. Like I'm in his hands and that's good enough for me. And I have, I have lots of questions and I love philosophy. I love theology. I love world religions. Um, I like to, I like to study different religions too. So I love, I love this whole con- This is like, I could go off on this forever, right? Uh, but it, it's, it's, it's extremely foundational to who I am. Like I, I get up in the morning because of my faith. Like 
my 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 Instagram is faith and entrepreneurship because those are like my two core values. Um, so yeah, that's that's really what I'm about, like entrepreneurship and faith. Awesome. All right, and I think uh, we'll finish off here. But what are your main tips for? And I probably, based on what we talked about, have a decent idea of what you're going to say. But what are your big tips for someone who's listening to this, who hasn't started yet, and just beginners in general that are looking to either build a successful brand or just you know make some money on Amazon? So, to beginners specifically, um, really the the thing is just just get started. Um, decide decide a budget whatever whatever budget you can afford that you're not going to need that money in the next few months you know if it's if it's five hundred dollars a hundred dollars like i said i started with about 600 bucks just just buy some stuff and try to sell it you know nothing like fancy there's, there's really that's that's the best advice for and gary v says it all the time i don't know if you, you guys you, oh yeah oh we are oh, we're yeah. huge gary v guys yeah <laughs> yeah so just literally just buy stuff and sell it. And once you start doing it, right, like I can, to someone that is in the game, that's doing it for themselves, I can help them so much more than someone's just in their head thinking about doing it. They want to do it like, because as you're doing it, you get different kinds of questions. You get feedback. You just develop an understanding. Um, so, you know, just get started. If you run into problems, man, there's tons of communities, you know, people are willing to help you and to talk. Um, but you got to try to do it for yourself first. Try to figure it out for yourself first and, and then ask for some help. Yeah. And that obviously shows that you're, if you're trying stuff that you have greater aspirations and are willing to even get into it in general. But where can people find you on social media? Yeah. Um, I, I guess I'm most active on Twitter now, which my Twitter is just MBT Hawk, like Matthew Brian Turner, H-A-W-K. I have an Instagram under faith and entrepreneurship, Matthew Turner. Not super active on there, but, you know, one of these days I might be. <laughs> so all feel right. free. Sounds good. Making, making some reels. <laughs> yep. And for all our Buy Box listeners, if you're ever looking for, for some craft glue, you guys make sure, barely.art. You guys yeah. take care of us. They got us on the craft blue. So thank you all for listening. And Matthew, a big thank you for you coming on. It's great to get to know you a little bit. I'm excited to, you know, interact with you some more and see how things go these next few years. But thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you in the next one.